Welcome to Finance Against Slavery and Trafficking, the podcast. Each episode, we'll take you on a deep dive into the connections between global finance and modern slavery and human trafficking. We'll look at all the different ways that the financial sector can harness its leverage to end modern slavery, forced labor, and human trafficking, and bring you a roundup of all the latest developments from ESG regulation to revealing research. This week, we'll introduce you to the connections between global finance and modern slavery, the team at Finance Against Slavery and Trafficking, and we'll start our journey into understanding how finance can help end slavery. There are so many reasons why you don't leave, financial, physical, and you're terrified what happens. That's actually one of the main reasons until it isn't, until you realize that You either leave and they'll kill you or you stay here and you will die while you're still here. It's just which way you want to die at that point when you when you make those decisions, that's where you at. You're trying to stay to see if the money will eventually come, but when you realize it's never gonna come. I think that's the worst part of being trafficked when you realize that this is never gonna happen. That was Timmy Anagi, survivor of modern slavery, small business owner and global anti-trafficking activist, talking about being trapped in and escaping exploitation in Canada 20 years ago. Timia's story is all too common. Around the world, roughly one in every 185 people alive today is enslaved, according to the best estimate we have available, a 2016 study from the International Labour Organization, or ILO, and the Mindaroo Foundation's Walk Free Initiative. That's 40.3 million people being forced to work against their will. They're working in clothing factories in Asia, clearing the Amazonian rainforest. They're forced to pick fruit in the United States or Europe, or perhaps they're in domestic service in the Middle East. All of this spells big business. In fact, the ILO estimates that the profits from modern slavery and forced labor are at least 150 billion US dollars every year. That makes modern slavery the third most lucrative global crime after drug trafficking and trade in counterfeit goods. And in the context of COVID-19, the profits from forced labor look set to grow. The virus has thrown millions of people out of work all around the world and threatens to make them vulnerable to exactly the kinds of coercion, fraud and deception that lead to modern slavery and human trafficking, turning workers' stolen labor into exploiters' profits. So where does that money go? Into the financial system. The financial system, it turns out, has a huge role to play in helping to end modern slavery and human trafficking. Whether it's banks identifying the profits of forced labor that are placed in deposit accounts or moved through their payment systems, whether it's institutional investors screening for modern slavery risks in their investment portfolios, or whether it's fintech startups addressing trafficking vulnerability through financial inclusion. I'm James Kikane. I lead a small team that runs the Liechtenstein Initiative for Finance Against Slavery and Trafficking, or FAST, based at the United Nations University's Centre for Policy Research. In this podcast, we're going on a journey to explore how the financial sector is mobilising against slavery and trafficking. Each episode... We'll talk with experts from around the world to learn about different aspects of the challenge and to discover new and exciting innovations in the financial sector that promise help to address it. 
We'll talk to global regulators and artificial intelligence researchers about how banks and money service businesses are analyzing transactions data to find the telltale signs of modern slavery and human trafficking. We'll hear from institutional investors and asset managers about the connections between ESG investing, capital markets, and what some people are now calling stakeholder capitalism. We'll find out about new disclosure rules requiring financial institutions to identify and address modern slavery risks in their portfolios. We'll look into the role that development banks, export credit agencies, and development finance institutions can play in addressing modern slavery risks. And we'll learn from survivors of modern slavery, like Timir, about the key role that they can play in helping financial institutions do well by doing good. Along the way, we'll bring you the latest news about new and important initiatives that are bringing the financial sector's leverage to bear on this global problem. Let's meet the team that will be bringing you that news. Hi, I'm Anthony Dursey. I'm going to bring you the latest news on regulatory and policy developments, from the new EU initiative on mandatory human rights due diligence to the latest developments in the Americas. Hi, I'm Rachel Seavey. I work on Fast Survivor Inclusion Initiative, which is a coalition of 13 major banks across five different countries that are working to help survivors gain access to safe and reliable financial products. We're going to do a deep dive on this initiative during episode three, and then I'll be bringing you a roundup of the latest developments every episode after that. This is Alice Eckstein. I'll be reporting on the latest research into how financial inclusion helps prevent modern slavery and human trafficking. In an upcoming episode, I'm going to cover a recent report on migrant labor and remittance flows, and how access to this important financial service for vulnerable communities is being affected by COVID-19. Thanks, folks. We're going to be hearing more from the FAST Secretariat team and from other experts in future episodes. But we've left out one of the most important team members, you. We'd love you to join us on this journey. Along the way, we'll be letting you know about all the different ways that you can get involved. So let's get started. Anthony, Rachel and Alice are part of the Secretariat for the Liechtenstein Initiative for Finance Against Slavery and Trafficking, or FAST. FAST is a public-private partnership based at the United Nations University's Centre for Policy Research. To tell us a bit more about FAST, I'm happy to be joined now as our first guest on the podcast by Ambassador Christian Venevesser, the Permanent Representative of Liechtenstein to the United Nations, and by Fiona Reynolds, CEO of the UN-backed Principles for Responsible Investment and former chair of the Financial Sector Commission on Modern Slavery and Human Trafficking that was central to the first phase of work by FAST. Well, thanks for having me, James. So I'm Fiona Reynolds, and I'm the CEO of the Principles for Responsible Investment, or PRI. And PRI is the world's largest responsible investment organisation, and it was formed out of the UN in 2006, and it's really bringing about sustainability issues into capital markets. And we've got 3,000 signatories across the world who represent 90 trillion in assets under management, and really they commit to incorporate environmental, social and governance or ESG factors into the investment process. My name is uh, Christian Wernerweser. I'm the uh, ambassador and permanent representative of Liechtenstein to the uh, United Nations in New York. Tell us about the Liechtenstein Initiative. Responding to calls from the G7, the G20, and from the United Nations General Assembly, 
licked at the government of Liechtenstein with the UNU who had previously worked together around the issues of modern slavery and human trafficking, really decided to take forward the outcomes of work they'd done that really showed that the finance sector needed to be involved in fighting modern slavery and human trafficking. And the commission was put together to really scope out all of the issues and come up with a blueprint, with a roadmap, with a way forward, with very practical and actionable items that came out of the commission. And I was very fortunate to have the role of chairing the commission. The first phase of the initiative was the Financial Sector Commission, the FSC. That was a uh, commission that was made up of experts with very, very different backgrounds. We had international regulators, we had people from financial institutions such as hedge funds, we had civil society activists, we had survivors. And these people got together to discuss the various aspects covered by the by the Liechtenstein Initiative. And this was all held together by United Nations University. How old is the initiative? When did it get started? Uh, we started a bit over... Um, Two years ago now. Now, is this just an initiative of the Liechtenstein government or are there other countries or other uh, financial sector actors involved? For us, it was key to not do this alone. And the partners we were looking for in particular were domestic partners in Liechtenstein in the first instance. We wanted this to be a public-private partnership a model and a template that has been promoted in the context of, of the SDGs in particular. But we wanted to bring in our private sector and in particular the financial center, and we were successful in doing so. So this started off as a public-private partnership, and then we looked for more cooperation and more partners, and we had the fortune of also being able to bring uh, two governments on board. First, uh, the government of Australia, and then the government of the Netherlands. We had the very high level involvement, including foreign ministers and, the, and prime ministers who were involved. We also had Mohammed Yunus, who was one of the patrons of the commission, and it brought together a lot of knowledge. I think one of the great things about the Liechtenstein initiative, though, is that it was able to bring together the many different parts of the finance sector, because there's many parts to it, to really focus on what the problems were, but more importantly, what were the solutions? There are five goals, and they're set out in a way that has a list of actions that investors, people in the finance sector, can take and act on now. And then they have a list of actions that need to be initiated. So not all of them can be done now, but they can all are projects that can be started. Everybody who's interested in modern slavery issues should definitely be going to fastinitiative.org and they should be looking at the blueprint and particularly looking at the goals that we have, the five goals that I've talked about, and going and seeing what's relevant to your organisation because there will be something relevant to every organisation, and looking at how they can implement the recommendations that are there. But it's also not just recommendations. There's lots of tools that are online and are talked about 
within the blueprint as well. I think it's really important that we've all got a role to play in solving modern slavery and human trafficking. And as I said, I think that we've got real problems coming up with this issue and we all have to do more to address it. We'll hear more from Christian and Fiona in later episodes. In the next episode of Fast the Podcast, we ask, what does finance have to do with slavery? We'll hear from Professor Kevin Bales and Dr. Katarina Schwartz about the central role that debt plays in contemporary slavery. We'll hear from Timmy Anagi about what it's like to be trafficked into modern slavery. And we'll hear from Fiona Reynolds again, this time about how capital markets need to think about these social risks. In the meantime, we'd love to hear from you. You can visit us at fastinitiative.org, on Twitter at FinCom Slavery, or on LinkedIn's Fast Initiative profile. Please send us your feedback and suggestions by email to info at fastinitiative.org. And until next time, thanks for listening. This is a podcast recording by United Nations University Center for Policy Research. The views expressed are those of the speakers.